What's up, party people? Thank you for downloading our podcast, This American Horror Story. This is our review for the fourth episode of Season 4, Freak Show. It's called Edward Mordrake Part 2, and it's the second in the Halloween series. Not much to say in this intro. Um, Tyler was recording from his car. That's pretty funny. But we do our best to try to get these to you as quickly as we can. Okay, let's jump right on in. Everybody and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, indeed. We are, uh, this is kind of an odd recording situation for us, <laughs> as you all know, and we apologize. We uh, delayed our you know normal Wednesday night immediately after the show recording because we were watching the Game 7 of the World Series. Um... And so this is our first chance we've really had to record. It is Halloween today, so it is, you know, a couple days after the show. We've had some time to digest it, I would say. Definitely. And, um, you know, I'm actually sitting in my car at my lunch hour at work as we record. So, (laughs) all in good fun, right? What a trooper. Um, Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Thank you. I do have a lot to say about this episode, which was Edward Mordrake Part 2, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, But first, I don't have a drink with me today, which is a disappointment. How about you, Chris? (laughs) I have my coffee with uh, some uh, powdered creamer, because that was all that was available uh, in the office today. (laughs) Delicious. Oh, yeah, I'm at at work. That sounds delicious. (laughs) Yeah. I do have the heat on in my car, which is nice, because it is cold outside. Yeah, Um, of course, before we really get into the nuts and bolts, we do want to remind you that uh, we, we love that discussion going on at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Keep it up. We really appreciate it. Also, emailing questions and um, comments to thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. We're loving it coming in, and uh, we really appreciate those reviews and critiques and ratings on iTunes, This American Horror Story there. So catch us on all those places. Um, without further ado, I guess, let's go ahead and, and kind of jump into... The freak show. Um, but one thing I do want to say before we really talk about Edward Mordrake Part Two mm-hmm. is there. There was a excellent um, post on our uh, or Natalia shared a really um, good uh, YouTube series made by Freak Show on um, YouTube about all the different or the different characters that have you know real deformities and things like that called American Horror Story Freak Show Extraordinary Artist oh, Artists, and we cool. we recommend that you guys go. Um, Go search that on YouTube because I was watching some of them. They talked to Legless Susie. They talked to Paul the Illustrated Seal. They talked to Meep. They talked to the um, really tall girl, and they talked to uh, Pet- uh, Ma Petite, which is the um, the little tiny the woman. little but Indian it's really... woman. Yeah, um, right. Do... I mean, those are all their that... real selves. So it was really interesting to hear about them. I want to see that. That's awesome. Thanks for posting that. Yeah, so those were those are really cool, and I, I recommend everyone go check them out, especially in wake of this week's episode where we kind of see the origin stories of their characters. Right. Um, obviously, kind of going into this week's episode, we had a lot of theories from everybody on who would get taken by Edward Moore Drake. Um, there was a lot of theories that it would be better Dot, um, 
because they're a little bit more innocent, especially you know Bet than or than some of the others. Uh, right. People were saying Jimmy. We had some people you know speculating here and there. Um, I think that what ended up happening was a total twist for me. I don't know how you. F- no pun intended. Oh, was that a Uh-oh. was that a play on words? Was it a twist? <laughs> it, that that was <laughs> yeah. It was unintended. Um, what did it, did, you, did it catch you as unexpected? Absolutely, and and when we when we started getting into it, I was like, I don't want this person's backstory. But then when it seemed like when we know ultimately what happens and how this propelled the narrative forward, it was awesome. Yeah, totally unexpected. Totally unexpected, um, but great. So I guess let's go ahead and, and dive right into it. Um, you know this this episode we we picked up right where we left off from Edward Mordrake Part One last week. You know, we have the slow pan over the freak show, and we kind of see Edward Mordrake going from tent to tent, waking up the different uh, people in the freak show and kind of interrogating them, just as he did Ethel to kind of see what their, you know, biggest shame is. And I think he's kind of gauging how innocent a freak is, these right. different freaks are, basically. Um, he talks to Lu- Legless Lucy, or Le- sorry, Legless Susie. Susie, I call her Legless Lucy. <laughs> And we hear her story um, that she was left in a basket on the doorstep of a children's home after her parents uh, got rid of her because she had a spine condition that required the removal of her legs. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up on the streets. Um, and it's kind of neat here how we get the, these montages of people's backstories. You know, it makes us kind of grow to like even more some of these interesting characters. Um, and as Mordrake goes from tent to tent, he says, I think, the gra- he says, like, the grail I seek is perfect in its monstrous perfection. Mm-hmm. So, it's not really made clear why the freak he wants to acquire is um, needs to be an innocent. Uh, did you pick up on that at all? I, you know, I didn't really understand why, but I think, you know, ultimately when we get to who is selected, uh, it gives us more of an idea of he wants this kind of naive, you know, simple person, simple mind, where uh, they're not tormented uh, in a in a more. Um, uh, like deep dark way I mean obviously Twisty has his demons and he does his things but he purely believes that he was doing something correct where everyone else is regretful and has remorse right um, and now the cat's I mean, out of the bag Twisty gets picked <laughs> right well if you're listening to this podcast you probably know who it was by this point yeah and, um, <laughs> yeah and so you know um, we get to see immediately why Susie is not innocent. It turns out that she um, actually stabbed um, a dancer. She was jealous, (laughs) a dancer, which was fitting because she was jealous of his ability to, um, you know, have legs basically and do, you know, dance and that kind of thing. So she stabbed him in the artery in the leg and ended up killing him. So that's that's what she's running away from. mm -hmm. That's kind of her dark secret. Running away? Uh, Right. And then next he goes and talks to Paul, the illustrated seal, um, and we learn kind of his story about how he, you know, would get lost in these dark theaters where people didn't actually have to, you know, see his deformity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would go watch movies and things like that. And he wanted to, he was kind of entranced by these and he wanted to go to Hollywood and kind of become a star. But, uh, he ended up going to the United States during the great depression. And there really wasn't those kind of opportunities. Right. I love that, that, that we delve into a little bit of the depression in this, uh, in these, both these storylines. They're both from the depression era. It was kind of cool. 
historically. Right, exactly. Yeah. And um, so, he, you know, he said everyone kind of there ended up seeing him as a monster. So he decided he was going to give them a monster. So he got tattoos everywhere and um, all the way up, you know, up his neck. And then, you know, Mordrick asked why he he didn't get him on his face. And he says, you know, because I have a pretty face. And if I had this regular face on a normal body, I would have I would have ruled the world. And I thought this acting was really great. Brilliant. Um, and really the acting of both him and Susie was, was fat, fantastic. But especially this part where he's so emotional about it. I mean, because I'm sure that's how this actor probably really feels in real life, you know? Yeah, so, I agreed. It's a great it was, um, monologue that he has about, you know, essentially being a handsome white man and what could have happened had he not had these deformities. Exactly. It was it was heartbreaking, really. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I didn't I didn't catch your what exactly he did that made him not an innocent. I mean, he got tattoos, but did you catch that? Did he kill somebody too? Or oh crap, I forget already. Maybe they didn't make that that clear. But for you know, for whatever reason, Mordrake decides that he's not the right one either. Maybe it's that he's too aware of his freakish. Maybe that was the thing. Is like he was too self aware of his freakishness. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not the ones and. Mordrake ends up at Elsa's tent. And Elsa's confused. You know, <laughs> she thinks she, she's she is confused. the guy to recruit her. Well, and give some background on this from last episode. Who is right. she waiting for? She's waiting for the guy, the tall dark man that um that uh, Esmeralda said was going to come and and escort her to fame. Right. And she she t- says something to Mordrake about Going, she's going to teach him a lesson in love or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and you know she wants him to arrange her nightclub act. And I have to be honest, I didn't necessarily know at first if she, um, if she did recognize or not that it was Mordrake because Mordrake is a musician. So I was thinking maybe mm. she was just right. maybe she thought Mordrake was this dark impresario, but it, it appears you know that that isn't the case once he tells her that she has this delusional ignorance. Um. But he's pretty, uh, he's pretty mean to. I mean, mean and blunt to her. He has his, you know, dead minions pin her down and kind of rip her legs off, which is pretty disturbing. Yikes. I still maintain that, was, that her her, her was, little freak army is disturbing. Yeah, intense. And then we cut. And you know, right? Well, and I like the part where he said, you know, you pretend to be the benevolent zookeeper, but you're a pernicious animal yourself, basically saying, you know, you pretend to just be the person who is in, you know, is in charge, the normal person in charge of all these freaks. Yeah. The caretaker, but really you're a freak as much as anybody else. Yep. And she's like, and she so then we get it. Right. And so then we get into the story of Elsa's misery, which I thought was incredible. Um, I want to hear before we get really get into it. What did you think of it? Um, what did you think of the story? Well, so I, I, one thing I do want to say is the opening sequence was probably one of the longest cold openings. It was like eight or nine minutes before we cut to the titles. Um, True. That, I thought that was pretty cool. And basically, yeah, what we're getting is we're getting the setup of how uh, Mordrake is going to go through a few of our characters. And basically, I thought it was setting it up for Elsa's long backstory that we're going to have for most of the episode. But then when we cut to... Um, after the titles, when we cut to her actual backstory, we go through it pretty quickly. And man, is it disturbing. No kidding. I mean, this was about, in some ways, is like as disturbing as we've gotten, I would say, in any season so far. This um, flashback to 1932 Berlin. And I, I enjoyed her, her 
whole narration here was great when she's talking about the sexual chaos of that period. So this would have been between, obviously, World War One and World War Two. It was a time when Germany was being forced to pay reparations to all of the allies from World War One who had spent so much money fighting World, you know, Germany mm-hmm. in World War One. And so Germany in general was just very um, poor, very you know, there was super high inflation, and everyone was going hungry. It was just kind of a giant clusterfuck, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. Elsa says that the citizens of Germany express their misery with their cocks. And so we get this great pan down the hall where we see everyone. It's like super kinky Club. German sex stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. And Elsa is a dominatrix. And we see this sequence with her and like a German soldier where she's, you know, making him act like a dog. And the whole wolf thing. That was actually kind of humorous, but it was still super dark. Until the toilet. Oh, God. That was... Yeah, she's, I mean, she puts on these sadomasochistic shows. You know, she says, I never let them actually touch me. I was more about this kind of pain thing. And yeah, yeah. when he sat down on that, I mean, describe that scene. Oh, God, the, there's there's all these jagged nails sticking out of a toilet seat, and she tells him to sit on it, and he sits on it, and you just hear the squish, and, and, the, and, the, <gasps> um, and you see his expression. It's so gross. It was gruesome. It was super gruesome. But you know what's funny is she says at this, t- you know, at this time she was a st- she was a star. There was no people in the cabaret, and so she had this dominatrix show, and she was a star, um, yeah. which is obviously what she's aspiring to now. Do you think that she was satisfied at this point in time when she was, you know, I mean, a dominatrix she, and had this right. audience in this whole like circuit of like she says I worked in the finest hotels. I you know I was the one that they went to. Um, with the top dollar, and she eventually even gets an audience. But she does say that she's above all of the other performers or all the workers in in her, this industry in Berlin. She says she's the best, which is kind of how she feels about you know the the freak show as well. You know, um, the other thing I wanted to say is she uh, she did feel like you know whenever she has an audience, I think is when she feels best. So when she was doing these weird kinky things, it's like when she had a full house uh, under the tent under the big top. She thrives on an audience seeing her as a star, and she sees herself as a star. You know, absolutely. And it seems like it doesn't really matter what kind of environment it is, whether she is, you know, a dominatrix in a whorehouse or she is a, you know, um, the barker at the freak show. She needs needs to be the star of whatever show she's a part of. And so... Exactly. You know, she says that she traded away her humility, but on the bright side, you know, she she still needs to be the star. She still needs that attention. She has that addiction to attention. Yep. Uh, And so then we see what happened to her legs. We get the final story, which is, you know, she'd be able to attract these, what she calls watchers, who would kind of just watch these creepy dominatrixy things she would do. And um, she was starting these kinky movies for him, I guess, until the day where she gets drugged. And essentially, they film a snuff film where right. she gets drugged and they chainsaw her legs off. Good um, God. This, this was insanely disturbing. I wrote, holy shit, I, you know, I'm speechless. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it was graphic and, like, kind of exhilarating because I felt like I was actually watching a horror film for once. <laughs> but holy yeah, cow. absolutely. Wow. That was, that was pretty incredible and... I mean, it really sincerely makes you feel sympathy for Elsa, which, you know, she's kind of been a bit of a asshole so far. So it, it really made you, though, understand, no, you know, going back and understanding her full story really brought that full circle. Yeah. 
Um, but I love how, you know, she says that she was then saved by a soldier, and then the video mm-hmm. was passed around the country. And even when this snuff film's passed around the country and everyone's seen it, she even says then that she was a star. She was a star of this terrible, horrible right. you know, snuff film that got distributed. She's so, so she deluded. really has a complex. At, well, absolutely. I mean, she clearly has a kind of a sad complex where she doesn't – maybe she's in denial of just the depravity of this. Right. Um, but clearly it kind of breaks her at the end because she, she t- says to Mordrick, you know, she begs to be taken by him. Right. Take me. But, but again, she's not the one. Why do you think that he decided to skip on her as well? Well, so there's a weird part there where he hears some music, remember? And and he's about to take her, and then he kind of he says something like, "Is that music, or do I hear music?" And it's like, "What? What does that? Does that matter?" I, I'm not sure. So maybe he has some sort of sense that there might be someone even better uh, than yeah. than uh, Elsa. Absol- well, what did you obviously, think? Obviously, yeah. He- why he decided to you stop. Know, well, you know, if we're playing on this concept, and this is kind of what I was thinking back with the other freaks, that obviously he's looking for someone who has a sad story, and she's clearly done stuff she's not proud of, too. She has shame just like any of the other freaks, but he was. it seems like he's looking for a freak that doesn't is not self-aware. You know what I mean? Right. Um, although then, again, he could he could have chosen, you know, one of the... He could have chosen Pepper or something like that, who seems pretty mm-hmm. self-aware. But, uh, but yeah, but I think that's partly why he passed on Elsa. Right. Um, it looks like he's looking for someone who has done something to be taken, but is unaware of their, you know, of their freakishness, basically. And so, yeah, obviously, Elsa is very, very conscious, and I think he probably is turned off by the fact that she wants to be taken. You know. Right. And so. So anyway, he goes to pursue Twisty, and so back kind of with the Twisty story. You know, we have. Jimmy and Esmeralda are not too far from Twisties, riding the motorcycle back from um, the phone booth where we we, you know, we lost them last episode. Right. Meanwhile, back at Twisties' van, we see the kids you know are tied up and scheming. We now see the brother of that little girl who got abducted last time is is in there with the other two kids. And um, <laughs> I think it's funny. I thought this part was funny when they're talking, and he's like, "Well, what is? Does he try to hurt you?" Is what the boy says to the girl, and the girl's like, "No, the clown just makes us watch him do." Clown, clown stuff. stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> I wanted to bring up that's exactly what we kind of predicted that what he did. He wants to perform for people, right? He Cuz that's the only an thing audience. we saw. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So he kind of returns and um is like getting ready to do an act or something, but then the girl I, it was kind of dark so it was hard for me to see, but I think she like she kicks him or something like that to the point where like she opens the door like she busts she, open like, the door kind of and kicks him and like runs yeah, away. Yeah, and like shoves him and runs, yeah. So she's running away, and she makes it to the road right where, you know, um, Jimmy and Esmeralda are when Twisty's chasing her down and tackles her, which is pretty ridiculous to see, too. And then he oh, yeah. he drags her back, and so Jimmy, being the hero figure that he wants to be, decides that he's going to follow him and see if he can help, which Esmeralda's mm-hmm. not very happy about. In fact, she was just, she basically is clearly distrustful of the freaks as is because she thought that like Jimmy was going to try to rape her or something in this dark road or, or like make a move right. on her or something. Um, which, you know, we kind of got that when she was on the phone with Dennis O'Hare last episode that she's not really comfortable with the freaks yet. She's kind of still seeing them as outsiders. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy and Esmeralda follow them back to the van and Jimmy kind of makes that connection that Twisty is the serial killer that we've been, you know, hearing about. Mm-hmm. 
but then then Dandy sneaks up from out of nowhere and knocks them both out. Yep. Oh, Dandy. So this scene, I thought, when we open back up and Dandy and Twisty are putting on the show is absolutely ridiculous. What did you think of that scene? <laughs> it, it, is pretty, it is pretty insane and bizarre. And I, you know, I, I see, I think we see why Twisty and Dandy get along. Uh, and that's because they both want, like, Dandy early on wanted to be part of the show. And Twisty wants to put on a show. And now that they're both putting on a show, even though it's disturbing and awful, um, they're both happy. It's so messed up, though. Oh, my gosh. It absolutely is. And, you know, they have all, yeah, the audience is all tied up. And I loved how Twisty was playing, like, the psycho oh, yeah. uh, music, <laughs> like, on the... Um, a xylophone or whatever he had. Yep. And they're yep. gonna they're preparing to saw Esmeralda in half. Like is for serious. And you know, you can't help but make comparisons between you know obviously on the clown level, like Dandy and, and kind of twisty and like the Joker from Batman, but obviously just kind of in their you know, almost anarchist kind of disregard for any sort of moral code. Mm-hmm. And they're preparing to, um, you know, size Merlin in half when Jimmy gets up and hits Dandy. So Dandy is really not very formidable. It doesn't take much for Jimmy just to knock him out and save Esmeralda right. pretty easily. He's a spoiled little bit. <laughs> and I like boy. afterward. And I like afterward how Twisty makes the all the kids clap for that after it. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> Twisty's so he quickly turned into a kind of a fun character. <laughs> And it's made clear very quickly that, like, Twisty, I think that's kind of one of our first, well, maybe we've had some clues before, but it really is kind of opening up to Twisty's kind of a simpleton and is not entirely aware mm-hmm. of everything that's going on. Right. He's not so, as evil, know, pure evil. Right. And so Jimmy's telling all the kids to run, and, you know, Twisty's about to run and, and chase all of them when Mordrake shows up. Mm-hmm. And... He makes Twisty remove his mask, and again, we get kind of that horrific, um, gaping wound that was his mouth um, that we saw, you know, for a minute before in an earlier episode, and we get Twisty to tell his story. Um, Do you want to walk through Twisty's story, or should I? Um, Yeah, you can go through it. I mean, we started off in 1943, right? Right. So, uh, in 1943, he's a clown at a traveling carnival. He... It's clearly simple-minded. We learned that he was dropped on his head as a child, and he absolutely loves children. He loves his role as a clown. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, we learn that these, he calls them freaks, but essentially they're just, you know... Um, the other performers. <laughs> right. These other small performers um, are, you know, some people who have, like, dwarfism or something like that, are making fun, or, you know, they're making fun of him because he's so good with the kids, I guess, basically, mm-hmm. and because he's simple-minded, and they can take advantage of him. And, and there's something to do with, like, the hierarchy of, like, his position versus theirs. Right. Uh, maybe because he's actually a performer, and they were just more, like, kind of workers. Carnies. Or something. Yeah. But essentially, they accuse him of being a pedophile, really. Mm-hmm. And, and he's so confused. He, he believes so him. he doesn't really know if he yeah he doesn't really know if he did it or not and so he gets a stigma attached to him and he can't get a job anywhere yep everyone thinks he's a child molester and so we see kind of this really sad scene of when he comes home to jupiter and um he tries to sell toys to the toy store like garbage and toys it, yeah and he's already kind of looking really ratty at this point yeah and um 
he tries to, you know, sell a toy to a kid in the toy store and totally freaks out the child and the parent. And the toy store owner calls him a child molester, basically, or, you know, says he does stuff to kids. And it really upsets Twisty. And he flips out. I don't, does he just beat him up or does he kill him? I'm trying to remember if this is his first murder or not. No, he doesn't murder him. I think he just flips out, throws a few shelves around and tries to run. Right. And so the first person he tries to kill is himself. And I thought that this scene also was incredibly disturbing with when all you see yeah. is the shotgun and you hear the bang and kind of the noise. Oh my totally. God. Oh yeah. That was, um, and when he pulled, when, as soon as we saw that gun, it's like, ah, it totally makes sense. Why the jaw? I was like, it's, I thought like someone might rip it open or something, but no, a suicide attempt is exactly, you know, and it, what, it how makes that total happen. sense and it makes it so much more disturbing. Absolutely. Um, you know, he thinks he's saving. It, 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 he realizes in that scene when he has the bandage on his face and he kind of makes the clown smile out of the mm-hmm. bloody Oof. wound that's seeping yeah. through. It's just so ups- like so gross and, and dis- it, it, it yeah. just, or uh, disturbing. And he kind of tells Mordrake, this is when I decided that I was going to save children from the freaks. And I would put on a funny show and I would get rid of their parents who are mean and I would give them a better life. So he thinks that he's doing something good. Yeah. Um, so he really is, you know, he, he's a simple-minded sociopath in the purest sense. Right. And um, so, so much so a... that he's caused Mordrake's demon to weep. Right, exactly. Um, b- before we go on to that, like, he kind of shows up at Elsa's curiosity, Cabinet of Curiosities, and tries to get involved with that, right? And that, and then he sees the freaks, again, stealing his stealing the kids so that's when he goes and tries he kills like the parents and the boyfriend and stuff like that to save them for the from the freaks also right like because he doesn't he try to because jimmy kind of talks a little bit of shit about him well he's kind of there in his yeah he's like there in his ratty costume right as people are filing into and jimmy's like ignore him him yeah he's he's basically just some crazy guy so he just kind of gets dismissed again and yeah he doesn't he kind of loses the kids again to you know, the freaks, which obviously right. he's trying to save the kids from the freaks. And so, yeah, I think that's probably definitely what inspired him to kind of go on this killer killing spree. Um, anyway, but, in the end, know, yeah, Mort- the, the Voldemort's cries, you're right, or weeps. Right, and Mordrake decides that Twisty's going to be the one, and he kills him. And I want to know what your reaction was when he kills Twisty. I was pretty shocked and i was like oh my gosh where are they gonna go with the story now we just killed our big bad villain um uh-huh. and i didn't yeah i didn't know but i for sure i, I did kind of like it because when they started doing his backstory and i felt bad for him i was a little disappointed because like i don't we we talked about this too like we don't need to hear his backstory he's the mystery makes it much more scary but the way this ushers in this new era this new big bad villain I think is pretty exciting and pretty well done. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Jennifer Salt wrote this episode. I thought that was pretty, she did a good job with this. I what agree. You, you know, I didn't want to feel, you know, I'd said before, I don't want to learn Twisty's backstory. I don't want to feel sympathy for him, but I do think it was incredibly well done. And I liked the twist about him kind of being simple minded and stuff like that. Yep. And the whole shotgun thing, that disturbing scene, it really did make you feel, feel sad for him. And, uh, you know, it made sense why he was the one to be chosen because he was not really self-aware mm-hmm. and, um, you know, he thought he was doing something good. And I have to say as kind of, you know, it's, it's definitely a bummer that we're not going to see more of him because in these first 
what is this now? Four episode four or mm-hmm. um yeah. In these first four episodes, even though Twisty has not until this episode said anything, I feel like the acting as far as like physical movement and through the eyes of John Carroll Lynch, who's who played Twisty, has right. been so incredible. Yeah, that, I agree. Like, it's really admirable how much he was able to do without talking. Because um, Twisty was terrifying, but he was also a really intriguing, mysterious character. Um, I felt you, you felt like there was a lot behind those eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, especially this episode where we get his backstory, it was it, he was incredibly believable. He really evoked sympathy, and it was just awesome. I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a disappointment when he left, but I understand why they did it, and it fit well into the plot. And it was a great twist, again, no pun intended. Totally. Um, because we didn't expect him at all to be the one that Mordrake would take. And also, we didn't expect our, vi- our villain of the season to disappear so quickly. Yeah. So... But it's kind of interesting how, once again, we get this handoff as we kind of drawing a parallel to, you know, Asylum. They're almost drawing their own, um, stealing their own plot points again, where, they, you know, we get the handoff from one character, one kind of villain to another being mm-hmm. passed down. And in this, just as we had, you know, Bloody Face being passed down between father and son in Asylum. Right. So, you know, Twisty Jimmy- arises with, you know, in the. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and we. I forget if we mentioned it or not, but Jimmy's watching the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, he sees everything that's going down. And so. And Esmeralda had told the kids to, like, run and call the cops. Right. She, and I think she was kind of distracting Dandy in the meantime, too, who was trying to chase yeah. her. But then he just. He just has a fit as he stumbles in the field and kind of says. He goes into his, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Right yeah. Again. I do like that Emma Roberts. She says, Catch me if you can, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was pretty tight. funny. And so, anyway, the, you know, we see D- Dandy sh- Twisty sees the get, body first, right? Right. So Twisty, the spirit of Twisty, whatever, gets up and leaves with his mm-hmm. face intact with Mordrake. So Mordrake is now gone. Um, everybody kind of leaves the scene, and Dandy's the first one who returns to the scene and sees the dead body of Twisty. And he takes Twisty's disgusting Max mask that probably has all sorts of bacteria on it. Oh my god! It was so <laughs> and gross. puts it on his face. I did have a, a note here that said that's very unhygienic. Yeah, I like disinfect that, please. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was really nasty. But I get, but, we get we get our our like first hint of what's going to happen next here. Exactly. Like essentially, this has become an origin story for Dandy. Right. Exactly. Um, which is kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, the next day we have the detectives at the scene of the crime interrogating Esmeralda, interrogating Jimmy. And, you know, Esmeralda's describing the clowns but saying how she didn't see their actual faces. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other cop is kind of saying to Jimmy, like, you know, we wouldn't, no one would care if you were the one who killed that freak. You know, he, we, they would call you a hero. And Jimmy's not having any of it. He's still pissed off about how they, um, you know, kill, you know, they killed me or, you know, had Meep killed in, exactly. in the jail. So he, he basically says, yeah, if you bring reporters around me, I'm going to spill the beans on what you guys did, basically. So Yeah. Um, and I think, essentially, we get an, an origin story for Jimmy as well as the hero. You know, this is him finally coming into his own. And Dandy, like, I don't know, all, all these, these first four episodes seem to be putting everyone in a place to have a, you know, good versus evil type fight. Right. And we see... You know, Jimmy and Esmeralda return to um, the cabinet of curiosities. Curiosities. Curious. Very curious. 
they announced to the group that the curfew is now lifted, that they'll be having their regular shows again. And, um, you know, Esmeralda tells Elsa that Jimmy was the big hero and he's the one who saved everybody. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we have all these cars arrive of the families of the kids. And it's actually, it's like, quite a few people for just, you know, three kids. But right. <laughs> maybe, it's their, maybe it's their friends and family. Um, to thank Jimmy, you know, for saving them. And he finally gets that acceptance he wanted as one of the fathers comes up and wants to shake his hand. Exactly. Uh, and with the music and everything, this almost, it seemed like very final um with the music and everything it was like we're we're closing the book on one chapter and starting another one right i agree i agree um yeah i i wrote down this won't last long though right <laughs> right and you know elsa invites them all to the show and a couple of different um things i want to ask you that happen in mm-hmm. this scene right here we have the interesting part where like Jimmy is looking back, and at first he's looking back at Bet and Dot, and then his eyes kind of waver to Esmeralda. Yeah. What did you gather from that? I mean, that's just to remind us of that triangle or square, perhaps, <laughs> of um, <laughs> love interests. And, you know, um, Jimmy just had such a kind of um, epic experience with Esmeralda that it seems he's kind of torn we're we're, we're going to see how it shakes out between all four of them, uh, basically. But I, yeah, I just you know that just the confusing nature of a relationship I, I, is what I took from it. What did you think? Yeah, and I mean clearly, you know, she too has. While she kind of wasn't so sure about him before, it seems like now she's the his heroism is kind of, um, it, it, you know, now she's attracted to him. It seems like. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely clearly there's going to be conflict here going forward, and I'm curious to see maybe Bet and Dot will try to kill uh, Esmeralda or something like that. Right. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is we kind of have Dell kind of stumbling out of his tent and, and seeing everybody, you know, finally giving Jimmy that respect he deserves, and it seems right. like he kind of has mixed feelings on his face. What did you think was going through his head? Yeah, I, I I was trying to read that as you know, is he going to try to take the power back from Jimmy? Is he? proud of him what what's going on there i i really couldn't get a good read on off his expression but he it looked a little unsettling what did you yeah did you think it meant something i thought it was it it seemed like it was maybe pride but it was like kind of surprise pride or maybe he was also kind of um ashamed of the fact that he had that pride because he really had no right to because he hasn't raised jimmy i mean he's really right. very conflicted about his feelings about jimmy so yeah um you know, it, well, I guess we'll see going forward. We'll see how that, yeah, because I'm sure they're going to interact next episode or something like that. Right. And so we, you know, we learned that the show is sold out and we have this moment where Elsa um, Ooh, goes up to Bet and Dot and essentially tells them they're, they're, de- they're demoted. They're going to be warming up for the pinheads now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, when they first started talking, I thought that she she was in this like better place and she's like, you know, what? you guys take the, the lead. You guys are amazing. But nope. She's also you. You got. You're actually getting demoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hasn't changed. This didn't change her, so that's kind of funny. And um, that's also when we get uh, Dennis O'Hare show up as his character. Uh, let's see, what is his name? Uh, Richard Spencer. Yep. Uh, in in town from Hollywood, who just happens to also be a talent scout. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find you a seat. Elsa fails to realize how good to be. You know that this may be good, too good to be true, but. Um, this is this obviously in the dark impresario that Esmeralda foretold. Um, 
it'll be very interesting to see how he interacts with the freak show and what yeah. kind of character he he plays. I, I think it'll be entertaining because she's going to be terrible and he's just going to be blowing hot air. You know, oh yeah, and, and telling her how she, how great she is. So I bet you that's going to be kind of, kind of a, a pretty funny. It'll be interesting too. I, I like the scene because we we have Beth and Dot or Bet and Dot um, in that scene with um, um, Dennis O'Hare and uh, and Elsa as well, and that's who he's there to get. Right. Oh yeah. So he he sees them right away too. That's right. They're going to be his specimens. So maybe maybe he will tell them that they're really good, so that way he can get a moment alone to take them. So maybe there'll still be some conflict there. Yeah. And so the very last scene we have. Oh is one in which, uh, well, will you remind me of the maid Patty LaBelle's character's name again? Do you remember Do- Rose- Dora? Rosa? I think it's Dora. Dora. Okay, yeah, Dora. So back at the house, um, Dandy shows up in Twisty's mask, and Dora goes on this rant again, which was hilarious and incredibly mm-hmm. well done. She's great. Um, <laughs> what did she say? Like. You're something about him being a maiden, the shade white boy who can yeah. barely wipe your own ass. I know because I wash your drawers. <laughs> like, yeah, she's great. That's a pretty hysterical rant. Um, and then he finally, she pushes him to the brink that he could not be crossed before. And he slits her throat. Yeah. And it appears to, you know, and then he kind of starts laughing hysterically. What, what transformation has he gone through, do you think, between the scene before where he couldn't kill her and the one now that he's able to kill her? And what do you think is going on in his mind at this point in time? Right. I think the, the death of Twisty really changed him because now he's, he's, you know, the apprentice has become not the master, but, you know, the only one working. <laughs> and he has kind of taken over that role. And the difference between... um Twisty and him, though, is, and Dandy is Dandy actually is a sociopath. Uh, the other thing is, I think with Twisty's death, um, Dandy's now feels like he can. I don't know what it is that changed in him, but it's something switched where now he has the ability to murder people, and he did the first person. This is because this is the first person he's killed. It's been cats since then, right, or before then, right. So now that he's actually done his first human, I think we've seen the complete transformation and origin of Dandy, the clown that's going to be going on a murderous rampage probably for the next couple episodes, hopefully for the rest of the season. But yeah. he's he's definitely switched. He's evil now. Full on. Uh, right. You know, What'd and you I have mixed feelings about I have a little bit of mixed feelings about this because you know, at the, on the one hand, he's kind of he's more terrifying than Twisty in the sense that you know Twisty, you know, because he was you know simple minded, he was killing. He thought he was doing good through his murders, and like with the kids, he actually had no interest in killing the kids. He wanted to put on a good show. Right. Whereas Dandy has no such reservations. He is going to just kill people for his own amusement. Yeah, he has so no that's rhyme kind or of reason. Terrifying. Exactly. He's just crazy. But at the same time. Right. But at the same time, I think we should also, I mean, I, I have reservations about him because up until this point, um, he hasn't exactly been a formidable bad guy. He's been pretty easily, like, knocked over and, like, tripping over yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's and, a joke. And it, so he's not exactly intimidating by any um, degree he's not smart. yet. He's not physically intimidating. Right. And so, um, I don't know. I, it'll definitely. I, it was definitely interesting to see his origin, and I have a feeling he'll get 
you know, he'll get worse and he'll yeah. clearly get better at, at murder and stuff like that. So um, I'm interested to see about that. I'm also interested to see what his mother, Frances Conroy's reaction will be when she finds out that he is now a murderer. Cause I think she will find out and I think that she'll probably defend him. Try to protect um, him. Yeah. I do want to lament though, the loss of Patty LaBelle so quickly oh. before, you know, we had, she didn't even get to sing a song, you know, not that I love the song portion, but I think she would have been actually, you know, a really fun song person to watch sing a song versus, um, Agreed. My notes say, damn, we didn't even get a song. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was too bad how quickly that went. And her character, even in the short time we knew her, was so very funny and well done. Totally. Um, so, you know, I would guess in the next episode or two, we'll be seeing Gabrielle uh, Cidabe coming right. to uh, search for her mother. Take over. Yeah. Uh, She'll so be great. I like her kinda, a lot. Yeah. So a lot of fun things to look for, forward to. Um, another thing I want to mention, and I didn't really look into this too much. It was just something I had heard. I saw some uh, news going around that Lily Rabe is coming back. Um, yes. Did you see that? And not only is she coming back, but it's something about how she's going to actually be playing Sister Mary Eunice. Is that right? She she is. I think uh, she's playing Sister Mary Eunice, and she's going to be there to come collect Pepper. Oh, okay. So this is where we're kind of getting the asylum, uh, current, you know, um, freak show connection and kind of i, I think yep. i read somewhere that like we're finally getting a unified theory of american horror story although i don't know how they would ever possibly tie every season in together but these i was to complement i was each other thinking that well, they so. might try to do that by the end you know that'd be crazy like we take place in all different eras and there can be crossover um characters like we're, we're having this season and that would be so intelligent <laughs> it'd be cool i feel like but be hard. the one the one that would be the one that would be so hard to do would be well th- the problem with Especially, well, both Coven and Murder House is that they take place in modern times pretty much, you know? Right, And right. so you know, you're going to bring characters, you know, back, you know, are they going to be time traveling or something? I, I don't know how you do that, I guess. In the case of Coven, you could have, like, um, Kathy Bates's La, La Lurie or, you know, Angela Bassett as her character because they lived for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, they were around in, in, in times, but you really couldn't do that so much with... Season one, I guess, unless you bring back um, Lily Rabe's character from season one and her husband, who were the, who had you know had the Infantata, right? So I don't know. Um, very interesting. Uh, so that'll be exciting to see too. So we have a lot of fun kind of stuff to look forward to. Is there any theories or anything you felt like we we didn't cover adequately in this episode? No, I think I mean you know we had a lot of origin stories and you know by the end of it little did we know we had the origin stories for two of our characters um ready to launch into their new roles meaning dandy as the as the uh uh evil villain and uh jimmy as as the hero um and there all there was also a lot of kind of discussion about hierarchy meaning you know especially with uh Elsa and where she was in the sex clubs and then where she was at the freak show and then also you know the with Twisty's storyline about you know where where do you lie in the hierarchy of of uh positions in the circus or the carnival um and then i think essentially this episode and these first four episodes have shifted us into what we'll see for the rest of the season which is um you know uh, the internal battle that American Horror Story always has within its main core characters, but also a bigger battle where they're all those characters are battling one evil force, which I'm guessing Dandy's going to start uh, terrorizing them. Uh, but we'll see. Right. I don't know. 
I'm somewhat skeptical, like I said before, of Dandy's um, ability to do that. But, you know, I agree. Be, I'm curious to see how they try to make him lifts evolve. Weights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it gets buffs up a little bit. So anyway, um, so what would you give this this episode as, as a uh, score? So I know I keep doing this, but it's just, you know, the way it started out, I was excited, and then it went kind of weird. But then the way they brought it back together at the end um, kind of got me excited. So I've done this for the past three episodes, I'm pretty sure, but I give this a four uh, out of five sad clown faces. <laughs> I just, it's solid. You know, it's not amazing. It's not terrible, but it, it gets me there. And the whole chainsaw scene was, you know, the horror element I needed for this Halloween. What did you, what do you give it? I'm going to go a step further than you and give it a four and a half. Ooh. Um, and, this is my reasoning so far. I really liked, we got so many good origin stories, not just Twisty, not just Dandy, not just, uh, I mean, we got Twisty, Dandy, Jimmy, Elsa, and, um, you know, uh, Legless Susie and um, Painted Paul. And so it's like, you know, we got all these, we got a lot of characters' backstories. I thought that the Elsa, the whole Elsa backstory and the chainsaw on her legs, as well as the uh, twisty shooting his face off with a shotgun were both probably the most disturbing scenes we've definitely seen this season, but possibly the most we've ever seen on American Horror Story. I would have to think back. I mean, when Tate goes into the school in, in oh, the yeah. first season, that was pretty disturbing. Um, and I mean, we've seen disturbing stuff before, but for me, those were, were both pretty pretty disturbing scenes. And where, you know, the direction the kind of surprise directions that things took by the end i was just very impressed by and so there was a lot to like i really liked it i'm going to lament the loss of both patty labelle and um john carol lynch because they did such a great job in a short time but i thought it was a really good episode so i'm going to give it four and a half sad clown faces so that's a solid eight and a half pretty good clown faces out of ten i think that's the highest score we've got so far this season maybe so not bad not bad well, I do have to say that I, because I watched later on the FX Now app instead of on TV, I didn't get to see like the scenes for next week. I, so I didn't get it sure either. So, so you know, no speculation. speculation which we, <laughs> well, but we already kind of speculated throughout this, you know, yeah, uh, episode what we would see next, and so I guess uh, you'll, you guys will just have to go go from that. But um, from there, I guess we wish you a happy Halloween, and of course, uh, Chris, where can people, you know, catch you until next week? Sure, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? I am on both of those as well, at TJMoss11. Of course, we always want to remind you guys that you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. You can send us questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com, and rate us, review us, critique us on iTunes at This American Horror Story Podcast as well. Um, once again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for bearing with us with a late recording. And uh, Chris, any last words? Nope, that's all. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy hauntings. Bye, everybody. In the land of gods and monsters, I was an angel. Living in the garden of evil, screwed up, scared, doing anything that I needed. Shining like a fiery beacon, you got that medicine I need. Fame, liquor, love, give it to me slowly. Fame, liquor, love, give it to me slowly.
to me.